Yesterday we just finished the 400th word of the Vishnu Sahasranama. Can you all hear me clearly? Okay. So repeat that particular shloka again after me. We'll continue after the 400th syllable. Ramo Viramo Virato Ramo Viramo Virato Margo Neyo Nayo Nayaha Nayo Nayaha Vira Shakti Matam Sreshto Vira Shakti Matam Sreshto Dharmo Dharma Viduttamaha <clears throat> so all these different names of the Lord that we are trying to look into, each one of them, as Gurudev puts it in his uh, title itself, thousand ways or the thousand pointers to the transcendental. The various aspects of Paramatma or God that can be talked about. All these various aspects, when crystallized, they are portrayed in this particular thousand names. Can't we just be done with calling him just God and be done with it? Why do we have to you know, repeat so many names and so many kinds and so many meanings? Each one of us with various intensities or various understanding when we come, one explanation or one logic may or may not touch our heart. As we dwell into different angles or different perspectives, there are more than one ways that you can connect with that divine. It need not be just one definition, it can be more than one ways to look at it. Not just that, sometimes we go through life in such ups and downs. There is never somebody who has had a life which has been a straight path. There is always ups, there will always be downs. And just because we are down need not mean that life is being mean to us. When you go to the 
uh, hill you, you do trekking right so when you when you go up the hill trek up the hill it's not that it is always up straight like that in order to climb to the highest peak if you have gone into the himalayas and uh, done serious trekking because sometimes you know all these uh, paved trekking is not actually a trekking it's it's a it's a fun uh, thing to do as when you go into the wild it is that it's not paved so you have to struggle to go up and you may be breaking breaking your back saying that you know it's too up before you finish the sentence there's already a slope and you're getting down again you have to get up and finally you get to the summit up there so in various aspects or various modes of our own life when we want to connect to that lord the connection to the lord would be various kinds like for example those whom we trust those whom we uh, immensely care about or love about and love them uh, dearly sometimes we want them to be understanding sometimes we want them to be you know not speak but just be there sometimes we want them just to let be you know give me my space give me my it's the same person that you are relating to but the way you relate each time because of your own mindset the relationship is different the way you relate does that make sense similarly when you are standing in front of the lord sometimes the mindset is you know you you're standing in front of the lord as though he is your father sometimes you are standing there wherein you don't need the uh, curt logical opinion of your father but sometimes you need a a hugging uh, you know motherly love so you look at the same lord and invoke that mother so various aspects so all these nitty gritty details given describing the lord is so that i can relate to the lord to the most comfortable convenient manners when i stand in front of him there is that connection and wherever there is connection communication to that divine is possible as i have always given the example can you just close that door there is a lot of traffic of kids today here thank you <clears throat> i have always given this particular example that um supposing you are you know texting do you all text right. supposing you are texting and as you are texting you enter into a elevator as you enter into that elevator most of these elevators that you come across the network drops it seems like it is there it is hanging in there but it it's lost so you press send not realizing that you know you are in elevator you send press what happens to your message it's not sent it gets blocked it it's in your outbox right a simple message there to understand is 
even if it is a device, if it is not connected, that which you intend in somebody else's inbox remains in your outbox. Right? Similarly, when we stand in front of the Lord, front of that God, front of that Almighty, first connect with Him. And in order to connect, you know, you first need to understand the various aspects, depending on your own mindset. And since I have already said that the mindset is not necessarily of one kind alone. There are multiple modes with which we work. So therefore we put an effort to understand various aspects of the Lord. So in this particular shloka we have already seen or in this particular Vishnu Sahasranama we have already seen 400 such pointers. So in the language of cricket it is four centuries. So continuing today, we have the next one, Viraha, Viraha, the most valiant one, the most courageous one, Viraha, Ramo, Viramo, Virato, Margo, Neyo, Neyo, Neyaha, Viraha, Viraha, what does Vira mean and why do we need to see the Lord? as a veera, it reminds me of this, I first saw it as a, I read it as a novel, uh, Life of Pi, have you seen it? Have you read it? So some dialogues or some things have changed and it is made into a movie. It says, my brother would have loved uh, any form of God to look up to provided he was good enough to be a standard on the cricket pitch and he could make centuries. It's like you are in a baseball game and he could uh, really hit the ball hard that you make, uh, what do you call that, home run. So if there is somebody, uh, God, uh, who could make that, then he would probably relate to that God. So when we, it, when we speak, when we talk about Lord being, we raha. You know, as a community, as a nation, you know, all these um, superhero movies. Can you name some superheroes? Okay, Superman. You're naming the movies, man. I'm talking of the superheroes itself. Spider-Man, Superman, Batman, Iron Man. Okay, for a change, Wonder Woman. I wonder, nah, uh, he's not a superhero, he's a super spy, we're talking of superheroes, Greenland, right, so there's a fascination to somebody who has this superheroic qualities and when we are growing up at a certain age, we have this intense fascination to somebody who is a a superhero with all these magical powers that they hold. So much so that you know, when I was growing up, we were given a brush in a hand and I said, go brush. And we were never having, a, but today's, you know, when the kid is, at that age when you have to teach them, 
know, personal hygiene and you give them a brush, they need, uh, I have seen Barbie brush. And then there is this uh, Superman brush, Spidey brush. So they start visualizing all these, you know, superhero qualities. The bhava is, yad bhavam tat bhavati. As you think, so you become. There is something that you can look up to. In the earlier days, we used to have a lot of noble souls around whom we could easily identify as a role model. In today's world, we have lots of models, but very few role models. So we need to, you know, the story of Lord Rama that we were trying to see yesterday, he is also the most valiant one, the most powerful one, the most courageous one. And the power or the strength of his viratva is not in going there and bashing somebody or, uh, you know, uh, trying to face 10 or 15 of them who are bad guys and uh, single-handedly can, that is not the meaning of being courageous. Courageous is that aspect of one's heart, having which, having that courage, the first meaning of that, you know, veera or dhira is having immense patience. And there is a, 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 a big difference between these two words. To have patience and to have, a, uh, to tolerate something. The moment I put these two words in comparison, does it bring in some kind of a, you know, polarity there? To have patience and to be tolerating something. One is born out of uh, uh, understanding. One is born out of the understanding wherein you can empathize with the other person. The other one is born out of a, a judgmental mindset. Even that helplessness comes into picture because mostly it is born out of the judgmental attitude. And we, be, we make ourselves conditioned with our own expectations and we become judgmental. And that becomes the uh, cause for our own frustration. So there is the tolerating and there is having patience. Now how long one should have patience? I'll give you the classic answer. Most of the times when I ask questions, you give me this answer. I'll say, it depends. How much patience do you want or do you require? So, Swami Vivekanandji puts it very beautifully. O oh Lord, give me that amount of patience and courage or strength with which I can move mountains, provided my patience and strength and will is stronger than the mountain. We have heard that, you know, with will you can move mountains. But how is our will? 
do you all have issues with your uh, uh, alarm device that little nasty thing which goes off early in the morning disturbing the sleep wherein you just want to what do you do with it when it goes off snooze is a very gentle <coughs> word i look at it as throttle you just wherever it is <coughs> why the best part of sleep just starts then because the, the the comforter on the top is warm the bedding underneath is warm and it feels so comfy cozy that you want to snuggle in there and then ah. who set that alarm last night you yourself set that alarm to whatever time it did not suddenly change its own uh, course and suddenly make it how early do you wake up 5 five 5:45 5:30 5 so you set the alarm at 5 o'clock and then you break your own will you break your own promise to yourself and say another 5 minutes another 5 minutes and then i was at somebody's house and they had this little infant probably about 5 6 months old and that's when i realized what it means when they say sleeping like a baby sleeping like a baby is a myth because they are 1 hour asleep 2 hours cranky 1 hour asleep 2 hours cranky and every time that the kid wakes up because after the first time uh, the little fellow started uh, you know making sound i got up and i couldn't sleep so i was in the in the hall and in the main living room and i was working on something so every time that kid would make sound one pattern that i started noticing that it would be alternating once it is a wife once it is a husband once it is a wife once it is a husband so i after observing the uh, pattern i asked the next day you you are alternating it what happens i said every time you know the, the kid goes off so the other one before you know the, reminds the other fellow that you know it is your turn now go so that i can catch some more you know some more sleep if the if it is a kid i can say that it is random but it's your alarm and you have set it and you made that willing choice and when you break little little such choices over a period you will not have confidence in yourself which will lead to lots of irritations this irritation which will further eat up into our own if we have a storage of a bank of patience it's it's very thin and anything that can go off or set you off when it goes off and is very thin it starts getting into that level wherein uh, there's no more patience but it is only you know, i can only tolerate it so much 
enough is enough. But sometimes when you know that there is no choice, and it is something that you have to handle. And it happened uh, while I was studying in the ashram. There was this particular uh, manager who had this uncanny knack to irritate anybody. He had this amazing... Uh, he, he was not very obvious about his own patterns that he could set anybody off. One day we set a group of us off and we were really mad. And we went to our Guruji and we went and complained saying that you know, Swamiji, you know, this fellow is irritating us. And Guruji knew that you know, the, the way we were trying to complain. So he let us, let ourselves you know, bring the steam out and then he took us into confidence. We were about eight, nine of us, took us into confidence and he said, I'll share something with you, don't tell anybody. You know, the poor fellow, you say, is irritating everybody, but he is going through his own trauma. He is undergoing his own, uh, you know, chemotherapy or uh, is going through some uh, second or third stage of cancer and he is going through chemotherapy and he is keeping it under wraps. So, he is dealing with a lot, there is a lot happening in his life. So, bear that in mind. And suddenly, the, the, the entire students who were set of students that we were, the information went to the entire set of students. And whenever this fellow would come, he would still do the same irritating things. But then, now instead of looking at him as a cause for uh, irritation and we trying to tolerate him, there was immense amount of patience. And there was compassion instantly born. It was not like the, the, uh, trying to look at you know, some poor fellow, but it, it, trying to really reach out, saying that you, know, you must have really gone through a lot. Now, what can we do so that his irritation can be put at rest? And we were told that you know, he is almost counting his last. His doctor did not have. So, six months passed by Nine months passed by, and, and then one day, Guruji called all nine of us, and he said, "How is your relationship with that manager?" So we said, uh, "It is very uh, loving and compassionate." Uh, and as we became more compassionate towards him and he also mellowed down and now uh, we are on talking terms and sometimes he also does us some uh, personal favors as well uh, which was unthinkable earlier so he then laughed and he said I owe it to all of you I had lied then he did not have any cancer I just put it across in that way so that uh, if there is that softness, that, that compassion that is there and from that perspective when you view that person, there is an automatic empathizing nature wherein you know that uh, you will have to build your patience 
so that you can relate to that person. To have that patience, to have that courage, to face anything with that patience is the basis of Viratva. Viraha. Then there is Karma Vira. Karma Vira. The one who can, you know, when you when you run an organization, when you run something, you give somebody a task. There are various kinds of people that you know, when you start working with, at least in your fields, in your uh, st organizational structure, when somebody does not do well as promised, you can fire them and hire a new one. Fire and hire is normal. But in my world, wherein uh, all of us working are volunteers, sevaks. So once Guruji said, you know, if I were running this Chinmaya mission as my organization, 98% of you would have been fired. Imagine with 98% of people who are inefficient working around, your frustration levels will be really up there. But then he always out of his compassion reaches out, trains, tutors and tries to pull them to the next level of evolution. <clears throat> karma Veera, the one who can get down to the other person's level and bring them to a higher standard. Dana Veera, whenever you hear of Dana Veera, whose name comes into mind? Karna. Did I hear something else? Okay. So, Karna is, uh, is that uh, individual in Mahabharata who, who is known for his charity. But there he was having a hidden agenda of uh, you know, recognition or name or fame. When you think of somebody who, who does Dana, how should it be? The best example that you can think of is mother. Mother when she is towards her own children, she does so much of her own personal sacrifice which nobody else even recognizes. And she is not doing it for the cause of being recognized either. Wherever there is intense love, giving becomes natural. Giving, sharing, sacrificing, it becomes natural. Wherever that love is thinning down, then there is demanding more. There is expectations which are high. 
But that where there is love, even uh, a boy and a girl meet, in the initial days at least. Each one is trying to please the other, going out of the way to reach out and make sure that the other person's wishes are fulfilled. How long does that last? There's something wrong with the wedding cake. That day when you cut that, all things start changing. Why? Instead of that love, wherein you are trying to express through your giving, you have taken things for granted and then it starts becoming an expectation. And wherever that expectation increases, love dwindles. Therefore, sharing or giving becomes naturally difficult. Give, give in such a way, as they say in Hindi, that when you, when you give with your right hand, it may look like a little exaggeration, but if you give it with your right hand, that your left hand also does not know that you are giving. We are not talking about maintaining a secret here, meaning don't make a big deal out of your giving process because the basis of giving is love and that's why here it is said veera dana veera dana veera somebody who is um, valiant in giving giving is the uh, has become the nature and along in the lines of mother who is the other one who gives and gives and gives. Mother Earth, the nature. And whenever I think of nature and the way she gives and the way we take, I am always reminded of my favorite movie is The Matrix. And a dialogue in it. The first time I heard it, 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 it turned my insides out. It, it really hit very hard. Are you okay? No, you can actually sit there. Please. Please feel comfortable. Go sit. Don't pick on her after she goes home if she sits there, okay? <laughs> You're okay, right? Yeah. Okay, can <clears throat> So the, uh, there is the scene wherein, you have seen Matrix, the first part? It's a very old movie, but it's an amazing uh, script in it. So there is a dialogue between Morpheus after he has been captured and one of the AI, artificial intelligence. So he says, I have to share a revelation with you. That when I started first working on you humans, I was told that you were mammals. 
but you are unlike mammals because mammals settle into the natural uh, natural uh, environment and adapt to that environment but you humans are unlike mammals you are like a virus a plague on this earth you spread like virus into natural environment and dry it of its natural uh, resources and then you spread it to another natural environment i after seeing after hearing that it was in national geography or uh, there was one beautiful episode there they were talking or showing about one particular island wherein it's in such perfect balance the ecological system is in such perfect balance and then they their conclusion was that on this earth you know when there is one species that goes extinct it creates a imbalance in that ecological system but there is one species from this earth if that species goes extinct the rest of the planet will start thriving into balance do you know who that species is no not mammals humans because we have the habit of taking from this nature but we do not replenish we do not really care for maintaining that balance so that also as a responsibility becomes the dana veera so veeratva of the lord seen through various aspects veeraha and after veeraha शक्तिमताम श्रेष्ठ शक्तिमताम विरिंचादी शक्तिमत्वात् शक्तिमताम श्रेष्ठ शक्तिमताम श्रेष्ठ ऑफ दी ट्रिनिटी ब्रह्मा विष्णु महेश्वर परमात्मा हु इज एक्सप्रेसिंग एक्चुअली गिविंग देम द स्ट्रेंथ टू एक्सप्रेस इन दैट पर्टिकुलर फॉर्म ऑफ ईश्वरत्व दैट परमात्मा इज stronger than more able than all three put together therefore he is called shakti matam shreshtah the next word is the most often used word dharmah shakti matam shreshtah dharmah see hinduism is a name that became popular after the british started coming into india so the word hindu when you look at it it is not there in any scriptures or any uh, ancient references whether it is in ramayana or mahabharata there are no reference of the word hindu so when you trace the etymological derivation of this word it is said that the persians who is to come through the khyber pass to india they had to cross this river called sindhu 
and for whatever reasons they their pronunciation they miss that s and they called it hindu so crossing that sindhu so they said you know, those who are east of that river that culture is called the hindu culture that is how the word hindu comes and you know that is also related to why we are called indians because when the british came they started uh, calling all these are you know hindians the earliest british references it is referred to as hindians because they are all the hindustan and of that uh, hindians h again dropped s dropped because of the persians h dropped because of the british and what remained is the indian so that is of the name indian comes into picture so there is no word called hindu instead the the religion was known as sanatana dharma what does sanatana dharma mean sanatana that which is eternal now dharma is a very intricate or a very a uh, deep word which has got multiple shades of meanings the nirukta gives about 14 different meanings for this word dharma but the simplest form to understand the word dharma yaya dharayate vastu swarupam iti dharma that by which that object is recognized as that object is called its dharma that by which the object is recognized as that object vastu now an example would be good fire what is its nature okay to burn is the effect of something what is it that because of which it burns fire right so the fire has heat in it heat is what burns so the heat and light is the nature of fire now when we say it is the nature of something it has to be same or it it should not be changing variating depending on place or time you know yesterday's fire was uh hot or today's fire is cold it it does not make sense fire whether it is back in india or here or anywhere the heat and light are its basic nature let me take another example sugar what is its nature 
sweetness is its nature that is why even though they make sugar substitutes we still have to taste sweet because it's substituting that sugar so the basic quality of it is the sweetness can you say that sugar is tasting bitter in india or anywhere else geographically if it is bitter then it is not sugar right that by which its nature is understood that by which that vastu is retaining its existence in that form and shape with that nature that is called its dharma did i get across did it went through did it go through or did it uh, did you get what i am saying okay good dharma now when we talk of dharma dharma of the individual now what is the word used in our scriptures is called swadharma now swadharma has two parts to it swa and dharma swa means self in various indian languages also swa means self dharma of the self now what is the dharma of the self from the highest standpoint to the most uh, pragmatic one wherein why we do what we do gets explained once we understand this word swadharma from the highest standpoint of the definition of the self the self is defined the nature of the self is defined as sat chit and ananda sat meaning existence chit meaning consciousness and ananda meaning bliss sat chit and ananda now i'll ask couple of questions simple questions will you all answer them at least think about them, those questions and if you understand these questions you will also understand why as a humanity we are all searching for the same thing wherever we are whatever uh, we do we are searching for that one common thing first question do you exist thank you i would be scared to speak to ghosts well probably they would also answer i exist <laughs> the first question is do you exist do you need proof of evidence that you exist any rfid tags or a mirror something that you look into as okay it is me i exist do you need a proof of existence unless you are 
you know, traveling through the airport or somewhere wherein you have to provide an ID which says you are you. Have you ever found it strange that you carry an ID with you? You are carrying it, which says you are you. And you have to prove everywhere that you know, I am me. This is what proves. This is what I claim and this proves that what I claim is true. In India there was this uh, a little sad story though. Uh, the first time I read it, it, I couldn't stop myself from laughing at the uh, turn of events. So there is this organization. It is called Akhil Bharat Mrutak Sangh. Akhil Bharat Mrutak Sangh. What does it translate? All India Organization for People Considered Dead. So when they go ask, I mean, when they go apply for their pension or uh, as what they what you call it here, four hundred one k retirement benefits. So when you go uh, ask for those uh, social security benefits and uh, retirement benefits, they look at their uh, data, and in their data, in the government data, it it says that they are dead. In their data, it says they are dead. But they are standing right in front of them and they are saying, I am still alive. So imagine for them to prove themselves that they are alive. It's a painful process. But I exist and you need a proof for that? I said, my document says that you are already dead. Unless in such circumstances, you don't need proof of existence. You exist and you don't need proof of existence. Now the second or the third question is, do you know that you exist? Do you have to turn to your uh, person sitting next to you and say, hey, do I exist? Do you have to ask? Do you have to inquire? Yes or no? So this brings up the logic or the age old um, argument discussion, I think therefore I am or I am therefore I think. Which one do you think can be chosen? What's that? I think therefore I am. How many of you believe in that statement? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five. You too? Are you just raising hand just for the fun of it or? Seriously, you are also raising hand. Hmm. What happens in your deep sleep? I'm not talking about dream. I specifically use the word deep sleep. Yeah, thank you. That phase of your uh, life wherein you are snoring away to glory for the annoyance of your partner. That's how usually it is. So in your deep sleep, 
you know, you know that you go through the uh, deep sleep phases wherein you are neither dreaming nor awake. You do not have a thought there. Right? If you say that I think therefore I exist, that means you should become non-existent, meaning dead. And if sleep or deep sleep were to mean that I am non-existent, I were dead, I would prefer to be a zombie and not sleep because that would mean that I would be dead. But don't we earn for sleeping? Well, not in my class right now, but after you go back home. So if you say that I think therefore I exist, but I exist continuously and in my deep sleep I am not thinking. So when I say that I am not thinking, there are no thoughts there, so does it mean that I am non-existent? But my experience is that I still wake up and I am existent. Therefore the answer for that question, which one do we pick? is not that I think therefore I exist, but I exist and therefore I am enabled to think. I know if you are still scratching your uh, and you know holding onto your lips very tightly thinking, I don't know, talk to me later <laughs> on that. So the second part, or the the first question was existential reality. The second was the knowledge I know that I exist. These two are already our experience, is it not? I exist and I know that I exist. And what is the third one? The third one is ananda. Ananda ananda means happiness or bliss, ananda. Are we, I mean if it is my nature of ananda, like my existential reality is continuous unbroken, my knowledge of it is also continuous unbroken, therefore ananda should also be continuous and unbroken. Are we permanently happy. Are we permanently happy? Are we permanently in the state of ananda? And that is why each one of us invariably whatever we do, the net result that we are actually searching for is that sense of happiness within. Is there anybody who is not searching for happiness? Now whether you call it uh, fulfillment, happiness, contentment, bliss, uh, something which is unbroken, which is continuous. And I found why in the doctor's office having a, a lollipop is such a big hit especially when they are the pediatric uh, doctors, they give that, and they call it suckers also, right? 
pediatric doctor. Did you ever give one? Okay, good. Okay. D-U-M dash D-U-M suckers. Okay, having a pediatric uh, doctor makes it easy, but it almost felt like you are calling me something. <laughs> dumb, dumb suckers. Do you know why they are so famous with the uh, kids? Why they like it? Because you give them a candy. Okay, they open the wrapper, pop it in, it's done. It's gone. I'm talking of that age group also. And you have a, a, a sucker, a lollipop. For most of the time, the child is still holding it tight in his hands. Looks at it, imagines the joy and is happy. And then slowly opens the wrapper up. How many kids did you see who, who directly go in uh, chewing at it? If it is a kid, what would they do? Observe next time. And they'll keep staring at it. And they can prolong that sense of joy that they derive out of it. Right from that age, for whatever age we are, we have been constantly searching for that joy, that happiness, which can be not an uh, impermanent one, but something which carries permanency to it. That permanency which is unbroken. Now you may ask, isn't it a, a euphoric stage wherein, uh, if I am already happy, because today I am working for anything in this life, so that I can be happy. If I am already happy, why would I work? Why would I put any effort? So whatever stage that you are talking, seems to be uh, an redundant stage. It's good to think of it. But you know, once you get it, if you ever get it, it doesn't make sense that, you know, why would you put effort? Even in the little joys that we get, those who are joyful, those who are enjoying that moment, what would you want to do in a most joyous moment of your life? Let me ask it this way. Would you want, would you find somebody sitting in one dark corner, head hanging low, you know, very serious, you go ask them, why are you like that? I am enjoying my joy. Don't disturb me. When you are joyous, you want to go out, reach out and expand that joy, share that joy. And the one who is already happy, what would they do? They would be the source of joy and happiness to others around them. And they would not be miserly in sharing that because they know that it is my own nature 
and the nature which is unbroken. Therefore, they become a constant source of joy for everyone. And every effort of theirs brings that joy and happiness to everyone that they touch, everyone they interact. And that would be an awesome service to this world. Find that core within. Find that which really fulfills within. Having found which when you touch others, when you interact with others. Therefore, Gurudev used to say, there are two kinds of people who are in this world who give you happiness. Those who come to give you happiness and those who go to give you happiness. Which category do you want to belong to? If you still have questions, but I don't think all my efforts are towards happiness. Let me ask this question in a different way. Have you ever consciously worked for being miserable? I am not talking of the result. I am talking of the intention. Have you ever started a work to be miserable? In my 22 years of being what I am, a monk, I haven't come across even one single person who would say, you know, Swamiji, pray for me. I have put an elaborate effort and I am going to launch it next Sunday. I mean this Sunday day after tomorrow. I am going to launch it day after tomorrow. To be miserable. Have you ever tried consciously to be miserable? You end up being miserable effortlessly. That is a different case. But have you worked towards being misery? Isn't it that we have been working to remove misery and to be happy, content? So that being the Swadharma of Sat, Chit and Ananda, existential consciousness and bliss. Why are we not able to find it? Why are we not able to bask in it if we are already that happiness? If I am already a treasure of uh, happiness and bliss, then why am I searching for it? Shouldn't I be already you know, jumping in joy? Why am I not jumping then? Then we come to the next case in hand. We are not in that state of happiness because of our wrong identity. And because of this wrong identification, there is a constant agitation set in our own minds. And what wrong identification are we talking about? Identifying with our own body, mind and intellect instead of functioning through the body, mind and intellect as using them as instruments, we behave as though our body, mind and intellect is our own existence. I have done this experiment earlier too, but there is no harm in asking it again. What car do you drive? A name, Mercedes, which year? 2008. Toyota Camry, 2005. 
Honda Odyssey 2003. I've been over 40 years. 2008. 2013. Jada 2006. Corolla 2009. So when you go into a gathering, have you ever introduced yourself? Nissan Maxima 2003. Oh, glad to meet you, Corolla. 99. Have you ever done that? Why don't you introduce yourself with respect to your car? It's a totally different case. If somebody asks you, who are you and you are driving a Lamborghini or a Ferrari, who are you? Do you see that? Mua. That's mine. That's a totally different. But at a practical level, do you ever introduce yourself with respect to your car? Why not? That's why I need not ask you at all. You are out of my list of inquiry, at least for this. You can, you could say that I own two cars, one Camry and one Mercedes. And you, it comes preloaded with a chauffeur. How about that? They're called mom and dad. Why do you not introduce yourself? Because there is a distinct understanding, distinct clarity that that is an instrument used by me, that's a vehicle used by me and I am not that vehicle. Though sometimes we end up making mistakes. Today, you know, I had this hilarious conversation. This, uh, this lady who was telling that uh, Swamiji, my... Uh, the ta- my tail light broke and uh, I couldn't stop myself but I chuckled <laughs> did you see where I'm going with it though she said my tail light broke what was she referring to is not her you know somewhere there is a tail light hanging and it is broken she's talking about uh, her Car's tail light which is broken. But in that moment the identification is really that intense that you almost consider yourself as a car and you say my tail light broke. I have a head and the head has ache. I have a headache. In that very sentence, what does it show? There is a, there is something which is uh, cognizing, something which is conscious, something which cognizes and that cognity shows that there is an element of separateness. That I am not this body. Similarly with the emotions, I am not these emotions. Just because there is a sad thought, good thought or a bad thought, 
do I become that? I can always choose what kind of thought I identify myself with and entertain myself interacting with the world. But since I am identified with my body, mind and intellect and I behave as though I am body, mind and intellect, therefore when somebody says something about the color of my skin or the shape of my body, I get agitated. And sometimes it is hilarious and wherein you call a little child, a little fellow and he says, I am a big boy now. You call an old person, an old man come here and says, I am young at heart. And it's considered rude to say so to, right? To call somebody, somebody is old. So at a body level, there is an identification. At an uh, emotional level, at a thought level, there is an identification. At an intellectual level, the ideas, the convictions, there is an identification. So to find that true identity, one needs to disidentify from these agitations, find that peaceful platform within, from where you can launch into this swadharma, which is of the nature of happiness and bliss. Therefore, there are three paths that have been identified. What are the three paths? To disidentify at the physical level, it is called the path of action or karma yoga. To disidentify at the level of emotions or thoughts, it is called the path of bhakti or path of devotion. At the level of uh, the intellect to purify, it is called jnana yoga or path of knowledge. Then you meditate to find that core of your own existence, the core which is very existence and in that core you abide to find that bliss or happiness. That is our true dharma, dharma. And I still can continue with that word and go into various other interpretations, but this much is enough. Dharma. Dharma viduttamaha. Dharma viduttamaha. The Lord also knows dharma and he applies it in its practical form. In the incarnation of Ramavatara, he is recognized as Vigrahavan Dharma. He is the very incarnation of Dharma, righteousness. Righteousness is another meaning, another shade of the word Dharma. Dharmo Dharma Viduttama. I know still there is 20 minutes, but I don't have a heart to start the next shloka. Can I conclude? Because if I start, then I will be stuck with the second word or third word and the whole shloka will be left, which we will deal 
नेक्स्ट टाइम ओम पूर्णमद पूर्णमद पूर्णा पूर्णमुदच्यते पूर्णस्य पूर्णमादाय पूर्णमेवावशिष्य ओम शांत शांत शांति हरि ओम श्री गुरुभ्यो नम हरि ओम